Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Air Force Lifecycle Management Center Leadership Blog Podcast. We're happy that you came back to hear from more of our team members across the center as they share their insights and perspectives on topical issues of interest to our entire workforce. In this episode, our Executive Director, Kathy Watern, sat down with two members of the AFL-CMC team, Sasha Lemon and Brian Allport, for an in-depth discussion on remarkable leadership. Sasha is a limited PCL contract specialist, and Brian is their supervisor. The three discussed topics like what being a great leader means to an organization, what distinguishes a good supervisor from a bad one, and what it means to truly care about the members of a team at every level. It turns out it's not about the X's and O's, it's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. We think you'll find this to be an interesting discussion. Take it away, Ms. Water. Okay, welcome LCMC supervisors to um, a new session that I've created called Remarkable Leadership. And so I'm here today, I have two individuals that are going to talk to us about uh, being a great leader and what that means to the employees. So a few weeks ago, I had an opportunity to meet uh, Sasha Lemon, and uh, I asked her how it was going for her, and uh, I always ask the question, how's your supervisor? And so what she said to me, she goes, I have the best supervisor ever. And so I was like, wow, tell me more about that. So here we are today. Sasha is going to tell us more about that uh, great supervisor of hers, and that's Brian Allport. And so I'm going to do an informal interview with both of them, and hopefully uh, you'll be able to watch and listen and uh, learn a lot of things of what it means to have a great supervisor and to be a great supervisor. With that, I'm going to introduce you to Sasha Lemon and Brian Allport. And Sasha, let's start with you first. So just tell me a little bit of how you ended up at LCMC and your background. Um, I'm actually from Northeast Ohio. I came here in 2015 to take part of the Air Force mission. I started out as a copper cap, and now I'm a limited PCO and contract specialist in LCMC. Okay, alrighty, great. And Brian, you? I grew up in the area. My dad was in the Air Force. I went to college locally, and I was fortunate to get a job here at Wright Pat right after school. Okay, alrighty. Well, let's uh, let's dive into a little bit more about this great supervisor. So, Sasha, in your opinion, what distinguishes a good supervisor from a great supervisor? I think it's actually more of a tiered approach. I think we have to look at like what a bad supervisor is, right? So it's someone who holds their employees back for personal gain, someone who holds information too close at heart, so they're not informing their employees and keeping them engaged, and supervisors who aren't really reaching out and getting to know their employees in any capacity. Whereas a good supervisor might be checking all the boxes, like doing what the Air Force requires, sitting down at appraisal time, kind of having a general idea of what their employees contribute and how to motivate them, but no real personal connection. But for me, a great supervisor is someone who really knows their employees. What motivates them? What depreciates them? How do you get them to do what you're looking for them to do by individual? Because even if you're in the same generation, you're not necessarily motivated by the same thing. So it's really important to understand the individual employees. Uh, I would also say the second thing is creating what has kind of been deemed the circle of safety, where you don't just talk about providing top cover, you actually do it. And lastly, um, kind of trusting your employees first. All too often, especially um, in contracting, you'll see where supervisors don't want to give their new employees meaningful work until they've completed training. 
give your employees a chance. They might surprise you and they might bring skills and assets without that training that you're otherwise missing out on. And I think if you do that, you establish a relationship of trust and respect so your employees want to work for you. Oh, wow. That's, that's awesome. Well said. So what recommendations do you have for how we can develop more of our supervisors to become like Brian here? I think part of it is balancing technical competence with people competence. Um, a lot of times, uh, higher leadership, both inside the Air Force and in private organizations, look for people who are just technically competent, but you need to have people who are also people competent. Mm -hmm. And that's not always naturally a skill that people can develop, but it is something they can recognize that there's a weakness for and try to adjust. So I'm not saying that every supervisor needs to be an extreme extrovert and go out of their way and say good morning to every single employee every single day. But they do need to learn that people need certain types of interactions. So it kind of goes back to recognizing what your employees need to be motivated and to serve the mission. Mm -hmm. That's good. So when you think about working for someone like Brian, how do you think that affects the team's productivity and their mission success? So way back when I was in high school, I worked in this small resale shop. And one day a gentleman walked in and he had a gun under each arm in his holster. <laughs> and my manager like nudges me. He's like, hey, I need you to go tell that guy he can't have guns on the premises. And I'm like, sir, I'm 16 years old. I do not think that I will be doing that. And in that moment, I realized he was delegating a task to me that he wasn't willing to do himself. So that's in juxtaposition of coming to Brian's office. Like my first week, my husband's like, well, how was it? I was like, oh my God, it's great. I'm so excited to be there. And he's like, why? And I'm like, my boss works the same amount of hours, if not more than me, every single day. He beats me in, he stays after me, and he never asks me to do something that he himself isn't willing to do. And when you work for someone who's in the trenches with you and has your back, you want to serve the mission and you want to serve their purpose and their intention. So Brian promotes productivity because he's right there beside us. It's never, Sasha, go figure it out. It might be, Sasha, try to figure it out, give me a recommendation, and let's talk about it. But he's always there, and it's a communication back and forth. So you kind of knew right away that there was, there was something different about Brian. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay. okay. Well, let's pull a little bit about uh, Brian here. And uh, so we've heard from Sasha and what she values in a supervisor. So what do you think qualifies someone to be an outstanding supervisor? I think an outstanding supervisor really is a reflection of an outstanding team. Um, there's a, a silly expression in sports that it's not about X's and O's as far as coaching goes, but it's really about the Jimmies and the Joes. And I think that <laughs> translates to the workplace. Uh, I, I think you can tell that Sasha is exceptional. And I have six other really high performing team members it's easy for me to supervise the, the team that I have right now. And I think that's a, a real key is having a great team, much easier to supervise. Regardless of the talent that you have on your team, I think great supervisors do two things really well. They motivate, they give you reasons to perform, and they empower, they give you the resources you need to perform. And I've been really fortunate to have great supervisors that have modeled those behaviors to me. Um, they had different personalities. Some were extreme introverts, some were extreme extroverts. They had different styles. Some managed while walking around all day. Some just sat in their office and said, I, I have an open door, come see me when you need to. Um, some had lots of staff meetings, no staff meetings, lots of oversight, no oversight. But what they had in common is they all really cared about the mission and they cared about the team. And those are the things that I took away and I try to, to model in my supervision as well. So why do you think you two really have a productive working relationship? Just is there, you know, did, as, as Sasha said, you know, she knew kind of right away this was going to be a good connection. So what are your thoughts? 
I think there's a few reasons. One, there's really a lot of strength in how different we are. Uh, we have really different backgrounds. Um, our personalities are very different, if you can't tell that. She's an outgoing people person, extremely positive, very likable. I'm much more introverted, not as optimistic about things as she is. Um, and we had different childhoods. Uh, she has an inspiring story, lots of challenges in her life. I had a very boring childhood, very different educations. She did great in law school. It took me five years to get through an online master's degree. Um, and then our interests are different. She spends a lot of time you know, improving herself, doing outside trainings, reading up on things. I spend all my free time at my kids' activities. She's about to have a kid, though, so that's about to change. Um, and because of those different backgrounds and personalities, we come into every conversation, every work topic with very different perspectives. And I think there's a lot of strength and diversity of opinion. And I think our joint position on topics is stronger than where either of us begin. And then we have things like mutual respect, mutual trust. Mm -hmm. And we both really care about the mission that we're performing and we care about the team that we work with. Well, that's great. And I think that that's a great point because I think a lot of times we realize not everybody is going to be like us. And then we, we try to put them in that mold and we realize that's not the case. We're all individual. So Shasha, what does caring about the mission look like in your office? I think Brian said it best when he said we all care about the mission. Everyone in my office cares about the mission. There's no program management. This is your job. Contracting, this is your job. It's These are the tasks that need to be done, and we're all here to get those tasks done together. And that might be before like core hours. It might be way after core hours. It may require us to skip fun activities because we have a pressing mission and we want to get it done. So when you talk to everyone, the entire office is buzzing on that vibe. We're here to do a job, and we're all super excited and passionate about it. So it's not a belabored topic. It's not an issue. We all want to be there in the trenches together. And when we have a victory, we celebrate that victory and we do it as a team. And I would also say that I've seen Brian and other leaders in my office, they go out of their way to promote the team's victories. So it's like, oh, so-and-so did this. Let's send an email to the whole office. It can be something as simple as that to using awards and other things that are allowable under the system to really recognize when people go above and beyond. Like when the tornadoes came and hit Beaver Creek, there were plenty of people in our office who went without power for five days, but they were all there doing the mission. They were staying late because we still had things to do. So maybe we didn't smell so great. We didn't look so great, but we were getting the mission done. So, yeah. Okay, Brian. Well, how do you demonstrate that you care about people in the office? I think this is probably an area where all supervisors and all leaders, we all we are challenged at times to, to show that we care because we're trying to get something done or we're having our own, um, our own struggles and issues and things like that. Right. I, I think if you genuinely care, um, that's the biggest thing. And it's not something you can compensate with a dynamic personality or leadership experience or specific trainings. Um, it comes through whether you genuinely care or not. And I struggle. Um, it's not a natural flow of my personality, and every day I'm balancing tasks with getting around and talking to people, so I don't, I don't do a great job of it every day. But I do try to convey that I care about people personally. Uh, I try to be aware of what they're dealing with in their lives, what's going on with their families and their friends. Um, and then also professionally, it's, it's not just having the conversations about you know, performance and annual appraisals and things like that, not just asking about career goals, not just asking about desired training but it's delegating important work 
It's asking for feedback. It's asking them to give inputs, uh, showing that I trust them to do meaningful work and that I expect high performance and, and knowing that's what I'm going to get in return. Yeah, I think what you described there is a, a, oftentimes we think it has to be so mechanized, you know, when in fact the best connection and the best leadership and the best uh, employee development comes at those less than mechanized times. So, absolutely. So, Sasha, you mentioned a circle of safety. Can you expand on that and what you mean? So, the circle of safety actually comes from the author of Leaders Eat Last. And uh, there's also numerous TED Talks on the topic, but the basic concept is, is that a leader's job in an organization is to protect all of its people internally from external forces and scarce resources. And by doing that, it really empowers your people to be innovative, to be creative, to take risks, and to even fail. And by failing and responding from that failure and growing, your organization gets stronger and you get better at your mission. But if you create an environment where people don't feel like they can fail, they'll never take the risk to even try to fail. Um, it also talks about the concept of leaders at every level should be protecting their employees. So it's a level of protection, not just a level of bureaucracy. So you want to delegate down success, but you want to hold failures at the senior level position. Of course, hold people accountable, but you don't say, oh, my PCO didn't do that. I'll get to her. No. You take the failure as a leader and then you mentor that PCO about what that failure was. Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately what happens is when that relationship is established, your people are essentially willing to take those risks for you mm -hmm. and to put themselves in harm's way to meet your mission and your objectives because at the end of the day, they know you have your, that you have their back. So it's really about creating this place where we all feel safe to do what we're here to do and putting the mission ultimately first. Oh, very well said. So Brian, when I think about uh, how did we get you where you are today? Did you take a couple courses and uh, you know became what you are today? Was it a seed that was planted early on? How did we get you uh, to the supervisor you are today? I certainly have days when I feel really inadequate as a supervisor. Um, I haven't gotten around and talked to all my employees. There's times when I haven't provided the encouragement that they probably deserved. I provided unclear expectations. Maybe I've given too few tasks to one person, maybe too many, too many tasks to another person. Um, but I think it goes back to the caring. If I do genuinely care, I think it covers up some of those insufficiencies that I have. Mm -hmm. And then as far as the skills that I've developed, I think as with a lot of things in life, just by doing things more often, you get a little bit better at it. So I had some leadership experiences in high school and college, and then I've been coaching sports for 20 years. Mm -hmm which, which makes me feel really old, but uh, I do think that has, has helped me in the workplace as well, just dealing, dealing with people and knowing how to motivate. Yeah, yeah, because I think there's, uh, as Sasha mentioned, there's, a, there's always books to read. They're great, people always ask us, what's the best book to read? And there's, there's so many out there, and I always get asked, what are the best courses to take or programs? So I, th I think it's a lot of things. And as you said, even some of your high school and your coaching, I mean, um, you learn to be a leader in a lot of ways. So, so Sasha, what about, uh, how long is this uh, party gonna stay together here? And uh, what are you thinking about as you uh, think about your career going forward? Are you ready to step up to the supervisory role at some point? Uh, I think that's the greatest thing about our office is 
Brian creates a dynamic where even though as a limited CO, I already have some leadership role that's formally recognized, even if it's working with our buyers or other people looking to become COs or training others, um, we really try to create that at every level in our office. Um, I do look forward to getting my unlimited warrant and becoming a supervisor in the future, but it's just because I want to serve the mission in a more direct capacity with more control and say I kind of like to do my own thing. And But in our office, we're, we're given a lot of discretion in that regard, so I feel very lucky in that. So as I wrap up here, um, I'm going to go back to you, Sasha. You know, one, uh, one, um, uh, some words of wisdom for all of our LCMC supervisors out there, um, no matter where they are on the spectrum of supervisor, whether a new supervisor or those of us that have been in the business a while, what, uh, what words of wisdom would you leave with us? I always say be humble and lead by example. Um, no one knows everything and no one is infallible. So if you make a mistake, own that mistake because your employees will respect you more. And when something bad happens to you or something goes the way you weren't planning, talk to your people about it, show them how you're working through that. Give them something real to grasp onto because inevitably we're all gonna make a mistake and feel terrible about it at some point. So how do you deal with that in a way that's productive and meaningful? So. Okay, very, very well done. So Brian, Last words to you, uh, pieces of advice for all of our leadership cadre out there. I think when you think about the, the supervisor-employee relationship, it's, it's just another human relationship. And I wish there was a manual, just like I need right. one for marriage and parenting and <laughs> friendship. Um, but realizing that it is a human relationship, it's not black and white, not one size fits all. I've had, I've had performance feedback conversations with one employee and it went really well you know, using a compliment sandwich or all the other different principles that we're taught to, to use. And I've had the exact same conversation with another employee and it didn't go so well. And so my takeaway is that I really need to know my employees. I need to know what makes them tick, how they're motivated, what they're dealing with, what their strengths and weaknesses are, and I need to tailor those interactions accordingly. And I, I immediately think of some advice my wife likes to give me. It's, no one's really gonna remember the specific things that you do or say but they are going to remember how much you cared. Excellent. Well said. So to both of you, this has been um, awesome, just getting a perspective from, from the field, from the, from the program trenches. And uh, I hope all of you out there have benefited hearing from both Sasha and Brian and some things that, uh, some nuggets that they gave you that you can think about and maybe make some tweaks in your own way that you lead and supervisor. So with that, uh, thank you for all you do, and uh, thank you for attending this uh, supervisor session, and we'll see you next time. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Air Force Lifecycle Management Center Leadership Blog Podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed this in-depth discussion about remarkable leadership. We hope you'll continue to join us in the coming weeks as we hear from more of our team members from across the center. If you haven't already done so, then please consider subscribing to the series and don't forget to follow and like us on our website and social media platforms. You can also see a video version of this and all of our episodes on our YouTube channel. If you have an idea for a future episode on a topic that would interest the AFL-CMC family, 
shoot us an email at aflcmc.pa.mediateam at us.af.mil. Until next time, stay strong, stay safe, and keep providing what warfighters need when they need it.